afternoon, good evening, everyone, wherever you're listening to us from. Welcome to the second episode of Zenith Time, a Zenith Political Labs podcast, an ESCP student society, where we look at some of the big themes of our times, those topics that have been with us for a long time that will probably stay with us for the foreseeable future. We look at how those topics influence politics, of course, but also business, society in general, science, technology, so on and so forth. And really try and give you an introductory look at, you know, how that could look like in the future, depending on what scenarios. Uh, like every two weeks, I'm here with my regular co-hosts. First of all, Arturo Chiovini. Hello, everyone. Yeah, Arturo. And also, of course, Eduardo Rovetta. Hello, everyone. And today we will be talking about public transportation. So indeed, let's get straight into it. So, guys, a uh, big question around public transportation. I mean, it's always been a big topic. I think you'll agree. Um, but I think in recent times of the COVID crisis, uh, like a lot of things, it's really come um, yeah, to the forefront or at least become a very important topic because there's a lot of people saying, well, is there even a future for public transportation, right? I think uh, there will be. Um, but the question on our side is really, what would that future look like? What should it look like? Um, and, and, you know, what are the implications of this? Because, of course, there are different arguments in this story. There's a, a sustainability argument, employment argument, a technological argument. So it really implicates a lot of things, which makes it a very important political discussion. Um, and, yeah, I think it's great to talk about it today. Um, but, you know, first of all, just to set the scene here, um, Eduardo, I know you've been looking at uh, you know, what experts are saying about uh, what the future could look like. How would you summarize what you find about, you know, the future of public transportation? What, what, what could we expect in the years to come? Okay, um, of course, uh, we're going to see a change in the public transport. But I think that the change we're going to see is uh, uh, going to be a huge implementation of it. Uh, governments uh, in the past years have been spending uh, a huge amount of money on uh, on the development of public transport, and uh, I don't think that this pandemic uh, will uh, will ever stop them. This is because, of course, now we are in a crisis situation in which public transport itself uh, is really involved. But we have to think also that the future is uh, for sure going to be. Uh, a more uh, uh, environmental way of uh, transport for transport uh, all over the world. And therefore, I think uh, that uh, uh, we're never going to see a reduction uh, to the public transport, but instead we are going to see a, a skyrocketing uh, uh, trend uh, in, uh, in the development uh, of uh, this. Okay, so definitely a future, right? It's not going to disappear. Makes sense, uh, as governments have been and will be investing. Arturo, is it, uh, is it the same picture across the world? Is it, you know, the same trends? Are there differences? What, what have you found? Well, first of all, I think that to, to answer the, this question, we need to understand uh, how we're going to be the future in, the, in 2050. And uh, what we can say is that the percentage of people living in the city will increase. We will have in 2050 the 68% of people living inside of the city in all the world. And considering now that now we have just the 55%. So it's an increase of 2.5 billion people in the city. And another interesting data is that if you consider like the biggest city in the future, uh, the first European city, it will be Paris in position 40 with 11 million habitants. And then we have London. So all the first top 10 is made by 
Asian and South American uh, country, and uh, it will have a huge impact in the transportation of those those countries. Uh, because with smaller cities, it's kind of easier to uh, to offer a better a better services. The main problem uh, are basically the pollution and the congestion on those cities. So in order to offer offer a good a good quality service. Uh, we need to change a little bit the use of cars in uh, those big cities. With, trans with public transportation, it's definitely a good idea. In Europe, we saw uh, some of those applications. And in addition, other solutions could be like uh, the bike or walking. We saw that, for instance, in uh, talking about Europe, we have like the 30% of people that use their own bi the bike or go walking uh, to work in a city like Amsterdam, Copenhagen, or Vienna. So it's something that in Europe a little bit is changing, but it's it's a great challenge for, for the developing countries that are increasing the size of the city. So a few trends that are uh, indeed right pushing towards, yeah, as you say, more people in cities. And indeed, there are two levels to the discussion, right? There's within cities, uh, that's a whole field of, 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 you know, discussion. And then you also have, uh, you know, between cities. But maybe if we focus, first of all, within cities and, and the future of public transport, um, Eduardo, I know you're, you're very sustainable yourself. I think there's a there's a big argument towards this. What what would you what, what what do you think the future should be? Should we have a lot of public transport? Should we not? Should how should it look like and and why? Okay, uh, first of all, we have to say that uh, traffic, uh, the human traffic especially, is a great example of a prisoner dilemma. This means that uh, if uh, everyone uh, is uh, we're using the um, public transport, we will all be better off. But if uh, the majority is using the public transport and few are not using the public transport, of course, these few are going to be um, better off in this situation. Said so, if we, if we all want to have some advantages in our mobility, we should definitely um, use uh, all the public transport, as you may see. Uh, the point of sustainability is a really strong argument, I think, because uh, we all know that uh, we have a huge problem with pollution, especially in uh, urban areas. Uh, I am Italian and all the Italians, uh, especially the one living in the north part of Italy, uh, will know what, is, uh, what it means to have uh, a huge problem with pollution. And uh, uh, public transport is for sure a solution. This is because uh, if we all use public transport, even the worst kind of uh, public transport, so the most polluting, um, for example, buses, uh, we will um, definitely reduce uh, the amount of CO2 um, emission that uh, every person uh, makes. Uh, said so, uh, public transport has for sure to shift. Uh, it has to shift and to get more radicated into the, into the urban areas. And we have also to understand that not all the cities uh, are structured the same. Uh, in Europe, uh, we see many cities that are uh, focused in the city center. So with all the uh, economical, with most of the economical activities uh, taking place in the city centers. But uh, this is not a trend that we can see all over the world. Cities, for example, like Los Angeles, are huge cities uh, that uh, are not densely populated. 
they have a low amount of population but with a huge extension. In those areas, the public transport has to be arranged in different ways. While, for example, as I said, in Europe, the public transport can be more center-centric. So all the public transport can actually um, go and uh, uh, link the suburban areas to the city center. Now that's an important point about public transit, right? It is, you know, you need infrastructure, right? And, and that depends on the geography, right? You can't have one solution for, for, for the world. Um, but I think clearly uh, you'd prefer a situation with more public transport than less. Arturo, do you agree? I mean, given this these constraints, can it be the same everywhere or, or does it need to be adapted? What, what should the model be in your opinion? Well, uh, I think that uh, I completely agree in that sense that we need to, to adapt on, uh, on the city and uh, the situation of, uh, of the country. I, I as well think that the public transport it could be a huge, uh, a huge opportunity for, for all the people, but I see even uh, some, uh, some problem in the public transport that we need, we need to solve. For instance, Eduardo mentioned the idea that the public transport is really centric, and uh, I I see this as like uh, a problem and a discrimination problem because you you have like basically the richest people inside of the city, and for those who are living in the suburban place, it's quite difficult to have a, like uh, a reliable net to move. Uh, so that that could be a, a discriminations. Uh, but there are some factors that maybe needs to be needs to be solved. Another important expert, uh, aspect is the customer satisfaction. I um, I was looking about the customer satisfaction uh, in uh, in Europe, and I saw that basically, if you consider like uh, the fifty percent, uh, more than fifty percent people satisfied about the the public transport. We have those kind of uh, survey in France and in in UK and partially in German. But if you consider, for instance, Spain, uh, Italy, and Portugal and Belgium as well, the customer satisfaction is quite low. So um, again, it's something that needs to be uh, needs to be increased and solved. Uh, maybe. With welfare, the welfare state is quite important in order to offer a great uh, public uh, service. And uh, the last point, I think, is that uh, sometimes the um, public transportation at a cost for, for the clients and it's, it's expensive even for the user. Uh, I don't think that the, the main point is just the price because you can even have like an high price of the ticket but then uh, you can have some reduction in, uh, in cost for people. So it's not just a fact of price, but the strategy of price. So if you allow like a reduction based on the income, you could like reduce this, uh, this impact of the high cost in the public transportation. Mm -hmm. And just quickly bouncing back on that, I don't know if you, um, you know, but within those stats, was there a particular reason why there was dissatisfaction? I mean, you mentioned price, right? That's one aspect. Was it overall quality, availability? I don't know if you have that insight. Well, it's um, it, it depends. I think it depends. It's uh, I think it's linked with the with organization. 
then of course if you imagine like in the main city the big city it's easier to have an higher customer satisfaction so if you mm. mention the case of paris or london they are quite big city with huge transport uh, public transport and uh, and yeah but in general it's the the organization of of the country and uh, the services offered yeah no indeed and 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 i think it also relates to the there's this issue right of uh, i mean equality uh, we talk a lot about transport poverty uh, it, it's an interesting one because i think debate is really polarized around well on one side uh, you have people saying public transport is a really a reducer of inequalities because it can get people to businesses easier uh, less reliance on cars which people often uh, sometimes can't afford it's it's an interesting one eduardo do you have a particular view on on, on sort of how public transportation has a positive social impact if at all it has one yeah of course uh, the um uh, public transport can reduce the difference amongst uh, people. This is because uh, um, people can actually, if people have a good uh, service, uh, they can actually move easier. And we know that uh, one of the most different uh, among uh, uh, different um, classes is the possibility to move, uh, especially when we think about urban areas that are not very, very well linked uh, uh, with, the, for example, the center, the city centers. If we can improve uh, uh, these, um, the, the services covering uh, this kind of part, these kind of areas, then we're going to have uh, um, better, a much better uh, service for the poorer people, which, uh, as we know, live uh, generally in the suburban areas. And uh, we're going to reduce the inequalities uh, uh, among uh, the, the, the whole population. No, it makes sense, right? I think that's the argument for, um, and I'm sure there's a, an argument against. Technology is a is is a key uh, factor, right, in the future of uh, public transport. I think you'll agree, um, Eduardo. On your side, coming back to you, I think you know. Would you be willing, or do you think governments should use technology to the maximum to have you know fully automated grids, basically of public transport? Will it create efficiencies? Uh, will it particularly change over the next few years? You know, of developments in in AI, so on and so forth. You studied the future of uh, transport. Will did you see a particular impact from from technology? Of course, uh, there is going to be a huge impact of technology in, uh, in public transport. Actually, we already see, uh, we can already see some changes uh, in the format of transport. For example, in many cities, uh, we, uh, we already have uh, some uh, automated underground services, which uh, actually uh, can impact uh, in, a, in a huge way the quality of the product, the quality in this, in this case of the service. But uh, when it comes to um, overground uh, transport service, uh, the situation gets more complicated because, uh, as you may already know, um, in the cities uh, there are cars and there are people walking around. And when it comes to automation of uh, mobility, uh, there is a huge uh, discussion. The solution to uh, this problem would be to uh, not allow um, cars, uh, private, private uh, owned and driven cars to move around the city centers at least. This is because, of course, uh, uh, this would allow the, um, the uh, public transport to uh, freely move without having a driver, so be completely automated 
reduce uh, the um, amount of time that uh, uh, a person driving the bus can actually lose uh, and uh, offer in general a better service. On the other hand, we have, however, to consider the fact that the public transport is uh, um, employing uh, many people, a huge amount of people, especially yeah. in, um, in European cities, uh, but also in, uh, in cities all over the world. And we, can, we have to think that we cannot actually fire or generally reducing the amount of uh, people working for the public transport companies without finding a solution for them in other services, in other, um, in other markets at least. Yeah. So uh, this opens a huge uh, discussion. However, I think that uh, um, the solution is pretty clear and also the path that we already undertaken is pretty clear. We have to go um, to a, a system of public transport that is completely automated. We have to rethink it. We have to adapt it to uh, the need of every city and also the need of different customers that there might be. But uh, um, in the future, we're going to see uh, for sure an automated uh, uh, way of transport. And Arturo, straight away, I mean, is it possible? Is it, you know, a good idea? Is it realistic to have a city with no private cars? Well, nowadays it's quite difficult to imagine, uh, but in the future it could be. Um, I think that I was, uh, I read a news uh, last month about a bus fully automated that was tested in, in China. Uh, mm. And uh, the idea was like that this bus cover like the distance of uh, a couple of kilometers without completely the driver. And it was fully automated, even like with a stop and open the door. And so mm. like it was basically uh, a success. And I think that in this uh, in this automation, we we will have like a boost with the, with a the 5G because the, the connectivity it's, uh, it's quite important and uh, if you're really yeah. fast you can, you can better face all the, the problem that, that you can have considering uh, like uh, ethic problem of a fully automated driver. But uh, I think that it's not already here. So we saw some tests, uh, but tests um, not in a normal life. So we still need to wait a little bit in order, in order to have like the level five, so fully automated in all condition, we need to wait other at least other ten years. So starting from twenty thirty, it will be possible. But it's not something that is here, and um, it's important to say that it's something that we need to to regulate. So uh, it's it's difficult to think now how we can uh, mm. we can survive with both car and completely automated. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot to see what is even possible, what is feasible from a technological, but also a social point of view within cities. I mean, a big part that we haven't touched upon yet, but uh, be great to speak about is, uh, yeah, in between, uh, well, sorry, long travel, uh, long distance travel. We live in a globalized world. More and more people travel internationally, except for this year, of course, for specific reasons. But the trend won't be uh, reversed, right? People will keep traveling um, a lot. How could the future look? I mean, we see these sort of almost, uh, yeah, well, these futuristic projects, right? Hyperloop, um, you know, and others, right? 
really uh, could change uh, the future of long distance travel. Um, could you know is it going to keep with planes while well, planes have to change uh will it be only trains it's uh th there's a lot of ways forward um and i think i wanted to open uh sort of have an open question here starting with you uh, eduardo what what's the future that you would like to see why and um you know and even you know what is the likely future if you if you know yeah thank you very much ashley yeah i think uh, i mean the future that i want to see is a more uh, uh, environmentally friendly uh, future, of course. Uh, but the problem is uh, what kind of services can actually achieve this objective. Um, Airbus, for what concerns uh, um, longer travels, uh, has announced that uh, uh, the first uh, hydrogen and so uh, impact zero planes will be actually traveling our skies uh, by 2035. This means that we are going to have uh, a huge reduction of uh, emissions because, uh, as you know, uh, planes uh, now are um, fired by um, kerosene, uh, which is a really, really heavily uh, um, polluting uh, combust combustion uh, um, combustible. So uh, now we're going to see in the future the evolution of uh, uh, hydrogen engines. And I think that uh, uh, this is going to be the future. For what concerns instead uh, trains, uh, I don't see a huge uh, uh, future for them because especially for the, for the longer uh, range um, travels. This is because, of course, uh, of the um, um, geographical shape uh, of uh, the world we live, as we as we know, uh, we have a lot of mountains, a lot of uh, hills, uh, and also a lot of lakes and seas and even oceans. There are obstacles that for planes are really easy to um, to overtake, uh, uh, but for trains are obstacles that sometimes cannot really be overtaken, especially when we think about uh, uh, oceans. We will never have uh, a train that will cross from Europe the US. So, uh, and even more when we think about uh, uh, trains, uh, when we want to, when a, when a government wants to develop uh, a new railway, uh, it has uh, to invest a huge amount of money. We're talking about millions. And also, uh, usually, the, um, the uh, development of this project, the actual development of this project, can take a huge amount of years. Uh, we talk about uh, decades, and in many cases uh, uh, we uh, we see a really fast developing world. And in many cases, um, after this huge amount of time, uh, maybe the uh, infrastructure is no more needed as it was in the past. While instead, when we if a government, if two companies want to uh, implement uh, uh, a new fly that goes from a city to another, they just have to. Uh, talk about the two different, uh, talk to the different uh, airports, and they can actually start uh, a new new flight, new regular flight uh, within weeks. So as you as you see, it is much more manageable uh, the um, the plane system uh, than uh, the train system. Yeah. And Arturo, do you agree? I mean, uh, Hyperloop, high-speed trains. Uh, yeah, you know future of, of, of long distance transport, can it 
only be planes? Is that the case? No. No, in general, I, uh, I disagree uh, in this point because I think that the train is really, is really competitive uh, if you consider like the shorter distance, so within uh, 500 kilometers and maybe in the future with even with uh, longer distances. Um, I think that uh, the train are uh, more sustainable and um, the problem is that you need a huge investment and huge investment in infrastructure uh, but we will we will we could have benefits in the in the economy we um basically the the idea to to connect all the europe it was uh, an old idea that started with maastricht uh, and it was basically defined in the in the amsterdam treatment and it's the trans-european uh, transport network and the idea was to connect uh, all the Europe uh, in terms of mobility with a particular focus on uh, on train. And uh, it, it was a project that it's, it's not done yet. Uh, it will be finished in 2030, if possible. And uh, the idea is that we will have like a conventional train and high-speed train. So both the level will offer services. And here, uh, I think that it's important to mention the fact that with the high-speed train, the surface is, is amazing and the, the product is really competitive with plane. Uh, we cannot say the same with the, with the conventional trains. I think it's different in, uh, in all the Europe, but considering, for instance, the Italian case that I know better, it's, there is a huge difference between the high-speed and the conventional in terms of like services but with this great connection we can like reach different uh, cities across all the europe and uh, that will be like a huge competition for the plane because if you can reach for instance milan and paris by by train in a, in a couple of hours it's it's competitive with with the plane so i think that we we will still have uh, a space for for the trains and um, finally, considering uh, other new projects that could be developed, uh, I would like to mention the, the Hyperloop. That was like a project that uh, came from, um, from Elon Musk. It was started in uh, 2012. And uh, the idea is like to have those fast trains uh, that connect uh, with like uh, really, really high uh, velocity and they connect to city and uh, till now it was basically almost a project but we had uh, a few weeks ago uh, like a test in las vegas and and the idea was like to to, to understand if it, if it's possible and we we are like a great result we'll we reach uh, 172 kilometers uh, per in uh, in 50 seconds and yeah. uh, we did uh, we did other tests uh, even in Korea, and we reached uh, a speed of one thousand kilometers per hour. So again, yeah. I think that here with huge investment, uh, the the train it could be really really competitive even on on longer distance and considering the the environment. Indeed. Well, thanks so much, uh, guys, for these. Uh, points of views. Maybe just to wrap things up, I had an interesting question that, you know, reveals what, what it could look like. I mean, imagine you're in the year 2050 and I'll each, 
ask each of you, uh, given your knowledge and your interest in the topic, how do you think a travel from the suburbs of Paris to Milan would look like? Edo, what do you think it would look like? Um, I think that it will, it will be for sure be uh, much shorter than it is today. I mean, today it takes, I think, something around eight or nine hours. And I think it's going to be much, much shorter. And I think we're going to see um, faster and better airplanes, uh, which uh, maybe maybe not faster, but for sure better trains that will link uh, the, the two cities and uh, with uh, more frequent flies. Uh, and that uh, will make actually the two cities uh, much more linked uh, than they are today. Arturo, on your side, similar... Yeah, I think and I hope that it's going to be easier. Um, but I think that it's um, it's a problem of governance. So in order to like uh, to to improve the quality of the mobility, we need to have like a huge governance between the different players. So we need to have uh, um, agreements between the plane, the train. So we don't need to see the different uh, way to to move as competitors but we need to 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 use them all together because maybe you can take the train to reach the airport and then reach another city take another train and move so if everything is connected we can offer a great services and it's a good challenge for uh, for the government and for the city administration thanks again guys i think basically we can agree that i think public transportation can go in about a million different directions depending on, you know, some of the big trends um, that won't affect it, depending on, you know, how governments want to invest in it, depending on what people need in the future, how technology develops, so on and so forth. So it's a big question, and obviously we'll look forward to seeing what it looks like in 2050, uh, you know, and maybe it'll be interesting to listen back to this podcast then. Um, but in the meantime, uh, yeah, really appreciate your your points of view, the views, guys, and, um, uh, and yeah, looking forward to uh, the next podcast. Speak soon. Thank you.